The Old Gold Club with Mikey Burrows and Chris Iwalumo. Hello there. Welcome along to a special bonus edition of The Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. This year, we are marking 60 years since Wolverhampton Wanderers were last champions of England. One of the most famous football clubs in the land throughout the 1950s, a team synonymous and famous with the floodlit matches against massive European names like Ferenc Baros, Honved, and of course, Real Madrid as well. Some of the greatest names in English football were playing in the old goal during that period as well. Unfortunately, so many of them have passed on these days and it's difficult for us to track down members of that squad to talk to. But we have managed to do just that. Recently, I went to meet Bobby Mason, who spent just under a decade playing for Wolves, 173 games and 54 goals. It just so happens that nearby to him lives Alan Jackson, a name that won't be that synonymous to many Wolves supporters of the time, but he was a key part of the squad that drove on the likes of Peter Broadbent, Ron Flowers, Johnny Hancocks, Jimmy Mullin, Bill Slater, Roy Swinburne, Eddie Clamp, Billy Wright, Burt Williams, Norman Dealey, Jimmy Murray... For supporters of a certain age, they are names that will live on forever in the history of this great football club. It was an utter privilege to sit down with Bobby and Alan to talk about Stan Cullis, to talk about Billy Wright, to talk about those floodlit matches and to talk about when Wolverhampton Wanderers truly was one of the greatest teams in the world. Alan... Stan Collis. What was he like? Was he scary? He was to me, definitely. Uh, um, I can't ever re- remember him saying anything encouraging to me throughout the time. I mean, I was at Wolves five years from a 16-year-old to 20-odd, and I, I can't really remember him saying very much at all to encourage me. Uh, he was more um, sort of critical uh, about what was happening. Uh, when I made my debut at Arsenal, I was 19. I'd never played on the left wing before. Uh, uh, a real shock to be in the team, but Jimmy Mullen had got injured. And I, um, I played at Arsenal on the Easter Monday. You, you look at the notice board and you know you, you're in the team and you would think that the manager would sort of ha- have a word with you uh, and G you up or something. He never said a word. Went to Arsenal and he didn't say a word until half time. I'd said to myself that uh, I was going to, to settle myself down. I was going to make sure that the first ball I played was going to be a good one. So I, uh, when I received it, I turned and played it back to Jerry Harris, the fullback. And uh, we went in at half-time, one on, and I'd, cro- I'd crossed the ball uh, and Peter Broadbent had scored. Went in at half-time and he roasted me. And the reason he roasted me was because I'd played the ball back 
and you weren't supposed to do that. It was sort of advocating your responsibility or something. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we won two none, and um, I must have added, I, I had a, a good game because it said in the Express and Star that the following day, Jackson's smart debut. So I was in the following day against Arsenal again, but I obviously wasn't so smart <laughs> that game because we lost 2-1. Um, and then Jimmy Mullen came, Jimmy Mullen came uh, back uh, from injury yeah. and, uh, and I was back in the reserves again. Bobby, was it the same for you? Was Stan quite scary? We were going to play Newcastle. When we, you go on the train, we went on the train on the Friday. And uh, we were going, and Stan wasn't there, and everybody said, well, where, where, where's Stan? To know he's probably going to see another player somewhere. Anyway, we go to Newcastle, we get a result, 2-1. We came back home, got back off the train, and we had taxis waiting for us to take us home. And George uh, Shell was in the same taxi as me. I got dropped off first. Anyway, we got to happen. The outside was living in. And he says, all your lights are on, Bob. I said, yeah, that's strange. And I said, good night, George. Off I went and got my key on the front door. Coming down the stairs was Stan. He said, good night, Bobby. So he said to me, good night, Bobby. Congratulations. Went up there. Your baby boy. She said, he's been here all weekend. He's been here all weekend and I'm bloody glad to get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays we would kind of describe him as being kind of the old school. Um, yeah, the definitely. Kind of uh, yeah. like a, a father figure, maybe to some quite stern to others. I never saw him be anything but stern to anybody. The, the one thing he did to me that showed a, a different side to him was about a couple of months into the season, I was at Bury, and I received this parcel from Stan with a, a, a covering letter. Wolves Reserves had won the Central League the year before, and Stan had realised that this cup uh, that had been presented to the players was due to me and he'd, he'd taken time to send this parcel with a covering letter and saying you know all the best and uh, yeah. you know I realised this, this should be yours and uh, that was sort of out of context in a way but showed a different side to him and I was, I was very pleased about that. Because uh, I mean this is almost for both of you really what was what was the most important factor, do you think, in, in why the team was so successful at that time? Was it the quality of the players or was it how good Stan was at organising you and getting you to play? What was most important, Bobby? I think it was both, actually. The, the, well, the players who were wonderful players, for me anyway. Yeah. I mean... Uh, they would cover for you and you would cover for them and things like that. But Stan was a really good tactician. I mean, uh, if we had a team talking, I remember once we, we were playing Bolton and he said, well, we're going to play Bolton and they're doing the same thing they did five years ago. 
you know, and he carried on with this. But we had a, we had Bill Slater then, and, and Bill, Bill being the professor he is, he was the one we had to give the eye to to end the conversation. <laughs> uh, so, and Bill would say, well, yeah, we, we agree with him, and we'll do this and we'll do the other, you know, to get the results. But then he used to know that we'd all given him the wink, and he used to say, but the law of average is Stan, or certain things and things like that. And Stan kept listening, right, time, finished, over, good day, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> One thing that I always remember about the club at that particular time, when I signed, uh, I signed professional for them on my 16th birthday, the next day, I was out for my first training session, and I was one of the the, the club. Um, it wasn't a case of the first team train here and the second team train there and the yeah. youngsters train over there. You all trained together, and uh, you were whether it was Billy Wright, Ron Flowers, Bobby, or anybody. You were accepted as a sixteen-year-old as one of the Wolves players, and the team spirit was absolutely first class and uh, I always remember that uh, and when I see today that oh so and so is playing with the training with the academy or something that would never have happened yeah. you were you were treated as a, a part of the club uh, <laughs> whatever age or ability you were cuz Alan what was it like when you first went in there and you you kind of get to to train and spend time every day with people like Billy Wright and Ron Flowers. I mean, Billy Wright was, I mean, he's still a, a huge name for anyone con yeah. concerned with the football yeah. club, but I imagine then yeah. he was a superstar, wasn't he? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, to, he didn't act like a superstar. No. You know what I mean? None of, none of the players did. Uh, they just made you welcome. It wasn't a case of, well, I, you know, I, I've got this many caps and you're a young lad. You you were just... The only difference was that the, the first team and the ones on the uh, edge of the first team uh, um, got changed for training in the first team dressing room and all the younger lads were down in the second team dressing room. You all then went on the coach for training and you were just part of part of the system. Well, it was the master key. If he's in town uh, and he walked into a shop, it would become free. You understand, <laughs> you understand what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but he never took advantage of that. When I was about 17, uh, I was only allowed, I was in digs, and I was only allowed home a weekend once every six weeks. And... Uh, that was a, a long weekend from Saturday to Monday, and you had to be back, be back for training on the Monday. And I met this girl who later became my wife at the local dance when I was on one of these weekends. And I thought, I've got to see this girl again. And I knew I couldn't wait. I, I, I wouldn't be able to for another six weeks because they wouldn't let me home for another six weeks. So I thought, I've got to see this girl. And about three weeks later, the reserves hadn't got a game 
but you always had to report whether you were playing or not. You reported for the first team game. Yeah. So I I reported quarter past two, and showed my face, and then I sort of sneaked off because I had to go. I had to catch a bus from Wolverhampton to Warsaw, Warsaw to Lichfield, Lichfield to Burton on Trent, and I, I I got home and got to this dance. Anyway, I came back on the Monday morning and somebody said, Stan wants to see you. And, uh, oh, crikey, what's happened? And I went in and he absolutely roasted me because somebody reported me, had seen me going. It wouldn't yeah. have been one of the players, whoever it was, I don't know. Um, but they'd seen me going. And he he gave me a real going over, and he fined me five pounds. Well, as a seventeen-year-old in those days, I'd only be on about ten pound anyway, and four pound of that would have been for my digs. So I was fined five pound. When the other lads um, found out, Billy Wright arranged a whip round for me of the dressing room, and I got eight pound. So uh, that was the sort. Of, <laughs> so I was three pound better off. That was the sort of that was the sort of thing that they were doing uh, at that time. So you were getting ten pound a week. Yes. Uh, I imagine the rest of the money was going to Bobby, was it? Yeah. <laughs> when I when when I signed, it was four in the summer and six in the winter. How did you get ten in the winter? <laughs> Well, you were older, mate. That was uh, when we, I when I signed, I got four pound, and three pound of that was for my digs. So I only got a quid. Well, I got four and six. <laughs> Did you? Four in the four yeah. in the top season, and six in the playing. Yeah. Alan, it's quarter past. Yes, I, I, I presume you've got to go. Better go. We'll keep going with Bobby, but uh, by okay. all means, thank you very much for your thank time. Thank you, One of the things, Bobby, that stood out, I was going through some of the, the history books and whatnot and, and looking up things to to think about what to talk to you about, really. And there was one, there's a book, um, Tony Matthews' Complete Record of Wolverhampton Wanderers, and in it, he describes you as one of the nearest things to perpetual motion one could find in top-flight football. Is that a good description of what you were like as a player? I'm fair with a lot of skill as well. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, now they to tell you how many miles somebody's run during the ninety minutes, or how many times, and uh, it, I was never still. I was never still, but uh, uh, nutmeg people and, <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. And I think it's great, but not to show that it's great. Because there was Jimmy Murray. Yeah, Peter Broadbent, yourself, and uh, Norman Dealey. Oh. And I, I think I'm right in saying that for four seasons in a row, you scored 100 league goals between you, which is... And you you weren't playing as many games. No. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. That's right. I mean, we don't play half the number of games I've played today. We would like to have done I mean, I believe we were fit enough to do anyway. I mean, uh, we never pass on responsibility like the past today. I mean, when you're watching the games today, 
it's uh, uh, passing the responsibility to somebody else. I hate that. I hate people passing responsibility. If you can't just try to do it yourself, don't do it. So was football was football better in the fifties and sixties? I mean, now when you've got players that are willing to take people on, you know, trying to be very few and far between, you don't see it. Yeah. Do you think your team, uh, the teams that won those back-to-back titles in the fifties, up against, say, modern-day Barcelona and these teams? Would you would well, you I've thrash got, them? I've got a thing there, the man of the match against Real Madrid in, in that cupboard there. And it's, it's from the uh, sporting record from the newspaper. You can guess what it is. I'll give you ten guesses. It's a cigarette lighter. <laughs> it's there. It's there. And it's wrote on his performance of the week against Real Madrid. And I don't smoke. <laughs> it's a great day. I don't know what they get today, but... <laughs> Champagne probably. <laughs> yeah. When you look back at that season, and it was an incredible season, I was looking through some of the fixtures that you played, some of the scores that you had, and because you start off with a 5-1 win against Nottingham Forest, mm-hmm. of which um, you, know, you scored a hat-trick, a hat-trick that day. You beat Manchester United 4-0 in what I believe was the first ever league game played on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. You beat Portsmouth 7-0, and that was the day after you'd gone away to Portsmouth on Boxing Day. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was a wonderful time, that was, yeah. We, we kept counting, we kept counting. Well, not not literally, not out loud, but you were thinking, well, can we go a bit more? Can we do a bit more? Can we score more? Well, you're yeah, big scores, aren't they, you know? Uh, but... Uh, as far as sympathy for the opposition, no. Didn't have any sympathy for them, you know, you don't, do you? Well, I mean, because you beat Arsenal 6-1, yeah. Leeds 6-2, and talking about sympathy, and because you were a Tipton boy, weren't you? You beat Albion 5-2. Oh, yeah. All of that was Albion. But my dad didn't. Oh. My dad hated that. See, my dad was still working. And he was in Great Bridge, which is strong Albion. And my dad's come home with a thick lip. You know, I mean, he'd been to work and he's come home with a thick lip. And I'm saying, what have you done then? Nothing. I ain't done nothing. What do you mean you ain't done nothing? You got a thick lip. He, he hadn't what been going on. You know, I mean, he'd been going on. He's, he was working with Albion uh, supporters in the same factory. There's got to be a bit of batter and everything like that. So... I didn't entertain this any longer, you know. I just thought, well, let's have Albion again. Come on, Albion, then. <laughs> give it, let's give you another one, you know. Is it, what was it like for you? Yeah, you because know, you got the bus, didn't you? To yeah, a lot I mean, of games. Well, I got the bus. There was eight of us on the same bus. Uh, I, I, got, I used to get, get to Dudley, and there was, uh, uh, there was uh, Ted Farmer, Johnny Harris, Jerry Harris. Oh... There was seven of us all together on the same bus. Well, trolley bus. On the same trolley bus, which we picked up. And then if you went to Wensbury, you got the other people. 
George Shell and all them. Didn't don't happen now. Don't see it again. No. Was that what made it special? Players were going one way, and the Hollywood players were going the one way, <laughs> and the Wolves players were going the other way. No cars, all on buses. And all said, all right, yeah, kick it on some, some Saturday. Okay, I'll we'll give you one as well. <laughs> but that thing never happened. They didn't kick you. They kept, you know, it was lovely, lovely to play against the opposition. Lovely it was. Well, it was for you because you always kept winning by good scores. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, but they were lovely people, lovely people. And uh, I've met them since, you know, the opposition. And uh, they're still great, you know, great to talk to, great to talk to. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> what do you remember of, of that? what's turned out to be the last title-winning season for Wolves? I mean, to think, would, did you, would you have ever thought at the time that Wolves would just not have that same level of success? Well, uh, before I left, I, I thought that the, the, went, the youngsters went there that what was in my time, you know, he, he was always battling against the younger, younger players, you know, like the older players had to battle against me when I came, you know, and so it was a battle all the time. For players of your generation that achieved so much for the football club, that put Wolverhampton Wanderers on the map in many respects. When you've seen what happened in those years since, do you think there's a, a sadness from your group that it never got followed up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Certainly, certainly, certainly. We don't show, but you feel it, you know. Is it, I wondered how you'd ever feel, Bobby, if the modern team if they go on and say they won an FA Cup or they eventually went on and won a title and kind of you weren't that last group that did it anymore, would you be happy that the, the club had moved on in that way? Oh, oh, yeah, if they were winning, if they're winning things, oh, yeah, you'd be really, really happy, aren't you? Yeah. When they did have the bad seasons, they... They didn't fight again, they, you know, they, as if they didn't want to get out of it. If you get into something in sports, you've got to try to get out of it. It don't matter what it is, golf, rugby, football. If you're in, a, in you've got to try to get out of it. But if, when you look on, on those seasons they did, huh? I couldn't see that there. And for some reason, I couldn't see that there. Whether it was that they was getting decent money, I don't know. I mean, we went getting big money when we played. You know, I mean, the ice weighed we was thirty pound. You know, and uh, but we thought it was marvelous. I mean, we proved it. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, yeah. But now, to me, it's. Very strange game now. Very strange game now. When you look back now, just how proud were you and are you of the contribution that you made to the football club and your group of players made to the football club? I know my sons are pleased with me as to what, you know. How does it feel that you will always be a part of the football club's history? that you created 
an incredible legacy from everything that you achieved? I feel good. I feel very good. I feel amazing. So that was Bobby Mason and Alan Jackson, two members of the squad the last time Wolves were champions of England, recorded specially in Bobby Mason's front room. As a special bonus edition of the Old Gold Club, hopefully in the future we'll get to speak to more of the great players, the players that helped build the football club that we're all so passionate about. Thank you for listening.